Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Friday edition. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up, uh, we've got Chad Withrow's top 10 college football games that you need to pay attention to. This is an exercise that gets me excited for Saturday. I, I really do. I mean, I, I hope some people that watch or listen to this show on, on our radio station, watch on the website, watch on YouTube, however you're consuming this show, I hope there's at least a few people out there that are as excited about this list as I am every week. Because just the process of putting it together, yeah. it's, it's fun. And it's what gets me excited, gets me going. I'm eager to hear about the uh, around the top three or four games that you have uh, ranked this week. Um, Chad, Ole Miss... Last night, they were uh, said that the current player, they had not received a lawsuit, despite reports. Um, since then, details on the lawsuit uh, alleging uh, poor treatment from Lane Kiffin and uh, how the university uh, has also treated this. Yeah, and I, I'm reading that this is a story from the, the Fox News website, so I'm reading directly from this, and it quotes some parts of the claim in the lawsuit. It's a crazy story. DeSanto Rollins is a defensive tackle for Ole Miss. He played in three games total with, with the Rebels, okay? He's suing Ole Miss, but at the time of that this was reported, Ole Miss says, we don't have a lawsuit in our possession, so we don't know what and you're talking about. And he was never removed from the team. Yeah, Lane Kiffin was contacted and said, I'm just going to point to the school's statement on it, that, that we don't have that. So DeSanto Rollins is alleging they are that Ole Miss, they being Ole Miss, is responsible for his ailing mental health. Okay, as we mentioned, the response from Ole Miss is we have not received a lawsuit. Uh, in addition, he being Rollins continues to have the opportunity to receive all of the mental health care and resources advantages that are afforded student athletes at the university. Kiffin referred ESPN when he was contacted by ESPN to the school statement. Uh, in 2022, this is coming from the claim from Rollins, because I think it's, it's important to know the details of the lawsuit before we react and respond to it. Rollins suffered two injuries, uh, an Achilles injury and a knee injury. This caused him, he's claiming, severe depression that, quote, substantially limited his ability to perform regular daily activities Rollins alleges he was not referred for a mental health evaluation when he also suffered a concussion before both of those injuries. Quote, neither Kiffin, the football coaching staff, nor football trainers were provided with role-appropriate training about the signs and symptoms of health disorders and the behaviors of student-athletes to monitor that, they, that may reflect psychological concerns. He claims that he suffered severe depression, anxiety, frustration, embarrassment, humiliation, feelings of worthlessness, sadness, loss of sleep, and loss of appetite. So when Kiffin met with Rollins, Rollins claims, this is in the lawsuit, 
that Kiffin called him a word I'm not going to say, or it definitely would get me canceled. He also said, he asked the question, what bleeping world he lived in by not showing up to workouts and not meeting with Kiffin when Kiffin asked a previous time. And he alleges that Rollins was hiding behind his bleep. All of this because Rollins came in and requested 14 days of a mental break on the team. And Kiffin responded this way. Rollins alleges Kiffin also said, you're done, you're off the team when he requested this. Um, this is a crazy story, the Hutton. We don't, we don't often see this. And Lane Kiffin, at least publicly on his social media, has been very much a proponent of talking about mental health. Like this has been a theme right. with Kiffin for the last two years since he's been at Ole Miss. Well, and this is a uh, this is odd. This is also more or less this it, it, the allegations. I'm not talking about the language, more the treatment of the player wanting to seek help with uh, to, for his mental health. Tez Walker at North Carolina wanting to transfer there and play, and Tyler Brown, the offensive tackle that was going to Colorado. The NCAA denied both players the ability or the waiver to play this season. Uh, that's with North Carolina, Mac Brown, uh, the AD, uh, Cunningham, others, uh, quote, providing overwhelming evidence of receiving help for mental health needs. Um, this is saying, like, no, you're, you're not going to get that, like, that also doesn't help in the waiver from the NCAA if you're claiming that you, you need help, so you need to go here because you're receiving help from said program. They're also denying that ability. Um, it's, it's a bit out of whack in regards to that. I don't think, if again, if true, Kiffin didn't handle this well. But I also am reading the statement from Ole Miss about how he's still a member of the program he was never removed from the team. He still receives all benefits of a scholarship athlete as any athlete on campus receives. That, and the fact that the story's out before Ole Miss had even received, they, we have not received a lawsuit. We're unaware. That's also weird as part of this. Yeah. With and, Kiffin and pointing back to the statement, but then also on social media doing the opposite of what's alleged. Yeah, and, and look, you, you want to be sensitive if someone's going through something, but also everyone knows that if you claim mental health, it's kind of a catch-all for a lot of things. And this is Kiffin clearly saying, that's not what's going on with this kid. We know of other things going on, and you're hiding behind that as a shield well, to it. But yet, if someone claims it, it's hard to say they're, they're lying about it. Now, he also right. goes on in the lawsuit and says, quote, Kiffin has never kicked a white football player off the team for requesting or taking a break, but has allowed a white football player who had been removed from the team to return to the team. The suit also mentions that members of the women's volleyball team are allowed to take mental breaks to deal with mental issues without being kicked off the team. It also states that white female softball players, not just softball players, white female softball players were allowed to take a 14-day mental break without being kicked off the team. This is where you get the Jamel Hills of the world to chime in and take this case for you and, and help you with it. So probably a smart move from a PR standpoint, uh, whether this is true or not. And Hutton, this goes back to this is some of the 
the issues around the state of Mississippi that have gone on for a long time that still can be an issue for uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State to recruit players that aren't in state that are black. That, that there's, I mean, you can talk to people now and they'll tell you there, some people have some reluctance to go to the state of Mississippi and this is kind of pulling at that sort of story with what's being alleged here. Well, uh, let me let me just look up his name. Uh, Derek Nix. Lane Kiffin, in the first scrimmage, had wide receivers coach Derek Nix be the head coach of the, the scrimmage of fall camp. That also made headlines. Uh, based, it, again, it giving him experience and also... Um, shedding light on the lack of diversity among FBS head coaches uh, across the sport. That was the headline from Ole Miss and Kiffin weeks ago. So is it about mental health and not receiving that help when you asked for it and you were told, no, absolutely not, and get off the, the team, see ya, you're kicked out? Or is it about racial discrimination? Which one is it? Yeah, he's trying to claim both. He's suing because his mental health was jeopardized. But in the lawsuit, he's also saying, well, this wouldn't have happened to a white player. They've taken breaks. Look, coaches have long, and I think this is probably pretty smart. Same rules don't apply for everyone. Now, if it's a racial discrimination issue, that's clearly wrong. But there are many circumstances or players that are different for whatever reason that coaches allow for certain things. Right. They don't allow with others or they understand the circumstances better in one situation and allow for that break. I think to go, it's just crazy for me to think about, like if your mental health is in jeopardy, as DeSanto Rollins is claiming here, and, and you're feeling this bad, you have anxiety, depression, thoughts of worthlessness, and you just have a hard time moving forward, you don't need to be playing football. Like you need to step away and go get help. If that's taking a year off, if that's taking six months off, leaving the team, you go and do that. If he's saying that to Lane Kiffin and this was Lane Kiffin's response, then shame on Lane Kiffin. If everything he's saying in this is true, he handled it very poorly. But I'm also, as if I'm a, a, an SEC football coach at the highest level of college football, and someone's coming to me and saying, Coach, uh, man, this spring camp has been tough, these summer workouts. I need two weeks for a, a mental health break. I mean, my response would be, are you kidding me? Like, you're on scholarship. You're a part of the team. Like, if you need a day off because you're physically hurt or you need to take a break for a weekend or whatever, we can talk about that. But you don't step away for two weeks from the team. Right. Because you need a mental health break as a college student athlete on scholarship. That, to me, is grounds to just remove your scholarship. Well, then you're quitting the team. And, and look, we'll help you. If, if we need to help you get mental, mental health help, we can do that. And we will help you do that. But you're quitting the team when you say you're taking a two-week mental health break. Well, and he was reinstated back to practice the next month. And they're also saying, like, prior, just prior to that, they did not give him uh, materials about mental health awareness or a referral to a, a professional that he should seek out prior to being reinstated. And then he hurt his knee right after that, after being reinstated and cleared, coming back from the Achilles injury that he's pointing to. Yeah. So, Look, we'll see where it goes. All we know from Ole Miss is uh, when this story broke, they said, we have not received any lawsuit yet. 
So there, there's going to well, be more talk about this. But the, the, other, the other thing I can't keep from referring to is Ole Miss is saying that he's still benefiting from all things yeah, they a don't, part of the, uh, the, the, any athlete would on campus. But they're not saying that he's on the team. You know, it's more of he's um, still on scholarship. But yeah. I, I don't know that it's well, like he's DeSanto on. DeSanto was never removed from the football team and remains on scholarship. That's the quote from the university. They're saying he's on yeah, the yeah, team. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, it, he's still on the team, but he's filing a lawsuit against the coach, and and they didn't receive the lawsuit whenever ESPN's putting the story out yesterday. It's a weird time frame. And a, a, an interesting response because they're saying, hey, he continues to have the opportunity to receive all of the resources and advantages that are afforded to student-athletes at the university. And so, you know, again, seeking help, that's great. But the lawsuit, as well as, I mean, it's, it's not as bad as you wanting to leave, right? Well, there's, you know, we've been and, talking and about. It also says that Kiffin told him that he would be removed from the team. Ole Miss is saying he's, he hasn't been. That's pretty easy to figure out. We've been talking about Mel Tucker and crazy stories in college sports that can derail a, a season or a program. Yeah. This is a very weird distraction to have to deal with three weeks into a season. If you're they, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, that uh, an active player, yeah, supposedly an active player on That's your what roster, the university said, is suing you for forty million dollars for damaging your mental health and putting you in jeopardy. Who do they have this week? Ole Miss. I'll look it up. It's not. I mean, they're back at home. Uh, Georgia Tech. They host Georgia Tech, and then they're on the road at Alabama a week from now. Their upcoming schedule. How about Bama switching quarterbacks already? Well, and it's not Going Ty Simpson. You know, they, they have a five-star uh, so, quarterback, um, and I, I'm surprised they didn't go to him, but it's, it's the Notre Dame transfer, Tyler Buckner. Clearly a reason Tommy Reese brought him on as yeah. a transfer, that he knows him and, and likes him, or at least has some bit of familiarity and, and comfortability with him. So, I, I mean, I, is this – acknowledging that your offense just is not going to be what it can be with Jalen Milrow? Is this trying to give your offense some juice well, against the team they should score a bunch of points against in, in South Florida? I don't know. It's, it's more than the quarterback, but it is the quarterback. Because, Chad, the one thing they I, I just could not wrap my head around this offseason, they brought in Buckner, they bring in Tommy Reese, but they chose to go with this bully ball mentality that they had been doing prior to Bill O'Brien. And, and prior to the excellent quarterbacks that had been running through there the last decade. But was there ever a question about who the quarterback was? I never got that sense. I always got the sense that it was Milrow. And week three at South Florida, you're changing quarterbacks. It's yeah, odd. It's odd coming from that program is what I mean. Yeah. Who it's, normally have everything buttoned up, ready to go. Normally. They know their plans. And, and if it's not right, they fix it. Yeah. And they, well, they're, not also playing, got, they're not playing all that different with the penalties and the mental errors, uh, the operations with the false starts and different things. They've had touchdowns called back. They've had, the quarterback has always bailed them out. Bryce Young bailed them out. We saw it with Tua, Hurts, others. Like, you can point to examples of that. And I know Milrow wasn't doing that. But a 10-point loss at home to Texas, and they're already – pulling Milrow. And, and by the way, with Buckner, there was no question. I was there for their week one matchup against Middle Tennessee. 
no doubt who the backup quarterback was that day. They were able to put him in based on the blowout situation in the second half. It was Buckner. And meanwhile, Ty Simpson got in the game, but late, late snaps. I think there's some truth to the idea that I just don't think Bama, they, they've lost a bit of an edge, not because of Saban, but a little bit because of Saban, because of Saban's inability to continue to have an elite coaching staff. I think there were guys that were around that were very helpful in keeping everyone towing the line, the yeah. Bama way. I think Jeremy Pruitt was one of those guys for years for Nick Saban that had that type of edge and fire to him with that team. And then when you go from Lane Kiffin to Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, go down the list of offensive coordinators, Bill O'Brien, yeah. you know, they were even able to have. Well, they couldn't, they couldn't wait for him to get an NFL job. Yeah, and, and that was the step down was Bill O'Brien. I don't know that Tommy Reese is of that level. We, we'll see. He's very young still. But I, I don't think the staff, they, they lose their strength coach, which was a big part of what they did, Scott Cochran. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of look at that and see where there's a few cracks in the facade now at Alabama when they started losing those coaches. Dad's bringing the top 10 games of the college football weekend. That's Let's next go. on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast location each day for Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Great for your tailgate. You can find it uh, wherever you may be listening right now. Chad, uh, big plans for game day tomorrow? Um, it's softball game day in my household, so okay. I'll be coaching 8U softball at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow. Thank you very much. Well, then you see your Those team are my the lights and then yeah. Colorado, Colorado State. I'll be watching a lot of football around that um, two-hour window no doubt. of that game. Um, a lot of football around that. I'm curious where some of these early kickoffs are going to be uh, in the top ten games of the week because there are a couple of them at noon Eastern that are very intriguing. Plus, the nightcap, also something to tune in for. It is time for Chad Withrow's top ten games of the college football weekend. Hutton, I will unveil my top ten, then I'll give you the three or four games that just missed the cut okay. of the top ten once I get through these. Game number ten, Colorado State. I feel like this is the, the one big NFL thing with this uh, music going it on is. now. Colorado State at Colorado. I want to almost do a Hutton impression as I'm doing it, as I hear this. Colorado, I think, runs away with this game, Hutton. Colorado State, they played one game. They had a week off. They've had two weeks now to prepare for Colorado. Their defense is not good. Uh, they're going to want to throw the ball a lot. They've already made a, co uh, a Colorado's a been change. susceptible on defense some. I don't think Colorado State has what it takes to hang in this game. The Buffs, a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a Hutton special because it will take place at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I thought you were going to double the spread. Saturday night. I'm not doubling the spread, <laughs> but I, I, think, I do think they cover the spread. Hey, uh, imagine if Norvell... And Colorado State win this game, Jeff. Imagine that. It's not going to happen. Imagine that. It's like what it would do for Norvell. It's like John Lennon said. Imagine. Just right. all of us imagine <laughs> for a minute the way John Lennon would. Game number nine this week. Let's go to the SEC. Okay. Oh, the dying 3.30 Eastern time CBS SEC game of the week. That will be no more after this year. The swan song of Gary Danielson and that team. We're going to see the first game of the SEC game of the week this year. Probably going to be a blowout. 
But I think there's reason to hope that maybe, just maybe, South Carolina can make this a game. The Gamecocks going on the road to Athens to face a Georgia team that is a 27.5-point favorite in this one. As I mentioned, 2.30 Central Time on uh, on CBS. Hutton, Spencer Rattler, 816 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. That would surprise most because they got handled by North Carolina in the opener. They were tied with Furman at halftime this past weekend. It's not been a great start for South Carolina, but the great start or the, the bad start has happened because they can't block. They have no run game. Spencer Rattler's been really good so far. He's been fine. Can he throw for enough yards against a Georgia defense that has not been tested yet this year to make this game close in the second half? We'll find out. O-line has allowed some sacks on potential interceptions that were not thrown because he didn't have time. The troubling part of this, North Carolina looked like the 85 Bears against South Carolina's offensive line. And then? Seven sacks, I think. Seven or nine. It was an odd number, I know. Either seven or nine sacks in that game. Then North Carolina went back out against App State the next week and looked like North Carolina's defense again. Appalachian State did whatever they wanted, and they weren't getting nine sacks against them. That's a troubling sign for South Carolina's offensive line that just may be really bad. Game number eight, big noon kickoff. Penn State at Illinois. Penn State a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Again, noon on Fox. Drew Aller, 78% completion percentage. Penn State's rushing attack is best in the Big Ten. And here's the bad news for the Illini. Kansas did whatever they wanted offensively last Friday night against Illinois. I think Penn State rolls in this game. Hutton, it's a 14.5-point line, I think only because it's on the road. I think this is a three- or four-touchdown win for Penn State. Aller will have a top-five defensive line in college football coming after him. And they have a very good interior presence. Newton is tops among them for Illinois. Just throwing that out, that's how you disrupt this game. I'm with you, though, Chad. I think this is the Nittany Lions uh, being undervalued with that spread on the road. It is intriguing just from a true road start in the conference for the first time for Allen. And we get to see Brett Bielema on the sideline, which is always a treat. And that's that's the yeah. good news for that one. I guess. Big noon kickoff, though. The pregame show will not be there, but the game itself will be Penn State at Illinois. Game number seven. What an odd matchup here. This feels like a, more of a Music City Bowl matchup than something in week three of the college football season. Minnesota on the road to take on 20th-ranked North Carolina. UNC Hutton, I mentioned it, they allowed 500 yards, 219 rushing yards, and they had to hold on for a 40-34 double overtime win over Appalachian State. Minnesota, after week one, not being able really to do anything offensively until very late against Nebraska, they got back to being Minnesota under P.J. Fleck, pounding the rock, good rushing attack. Look out for Taylor and Tyler, Darius Taylor and the freshman Sean Tyler. Two-headed monster at running back for Minnesota. They got it going last week. Different type of test, though, against North Carolina on the road. Tar Heels an eight-point favorite. Minnesota defense is good, too. Yeah. That's the other factor with this. I'm intrigued. And North Carolina with Drake May, let's see it against a solid defense at home. Hutton, game number six for us is going to be Pitt at West Virginia. These teams, I don't think, I know West Virginia is not any good. I don't think Pitt is very good. But as Andy Staples said, in a game like this, you just embrace the weird. Because weird things happen in the backyard brawl. Hell, weird things happen in West Virginia every minute of the day. 
So certainly on a Saturday night on ABC, 7.30 Eastern time, weird things can and probably will what happen in this Jones game. Say? That's just how they is in West That's Virginia. That's just how they is in West Virginia. That is a quote to remember as you watch this game Saturday night. Pitt was a putrid 10 for 32 through the air against Cincinnati. And Hutton, they almost won the game. They lost 27-21 because some crazy things happening in that one. West Virginia is a team that needs to run it. And they can run it a bit. They are horrific against the pass, though. May not matter because Pitt can't throw the football. I have multiple screens with multiple games on. This will be on the smallest screen available yeah. this game. This will be on your I will pay attention. This will be on your old iPhone. The iPhone that matches my model <laughs> that you still keep around. Yeah, not even your burner. primary phone. <laughs> your burner will be playing this one uh, on Saturday night. Um, game number five. <laughs> it's an intriguing one as we move into the top five. BYU at Arkansas. Razorbacks an eight-point favorite. This game is at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN2. BYU, good defense, especially good against the run. Arkansas, surprisingly, only three and a half yards per carry so far this year. Rocket Sanders has not gotten it going. K.J. Jefferson, they haven't tried to run as much with him. What do they look like in this game? Arkansas, again, that three and a half yards per carry, that was against Western Carolina and Kent State. So they've not revved up the rushing attack that should be good this year yet. This could be a low-scoring defensive battle. Hutton, we just mentioned Pitt, the starting quarterback for BYU, Keaton Slovis, who transferred over from Pitt. If you remember, last year's second game of the season, he gets injured in the Tennessee game, and they had to go with a backup quarterback the entire second half. Former USC quarterback, transferred to Pitt, now at BYU, he's eligible to play, but Tez Walker's not. I have no idea why. Either way, he'll be playing in this one. BYU at, at Arkansas. I, I trust. Which screen will this be on for you? I, I'm, I'm, I trust. I want to see KJ Jefferson. This be on your Razor phone from 2007. Yeah, it's the yeah the Razor the the flip phone uh, from. Yeah, I didn't have the Razor. I had the the flip phone, and then I had the long like one piece. You know what I'm talking about? The It'll first be on phone. the one piece. Yeah. This is a one piece kind of game. Yeah, scores only available. 10 cents per text message. Um, I'm confident. Hey, Dan Enos, though, you mentioned yeah, the oh, yeah. coaches from what he did with Tua. Let's see the let's see the upward trajectory now with KJ Jefferson, who I haven't paid much attention to to start the season. Gonna get a chance to pay some attention to him. Top four, Hutton, I think will have big screen type attention uh, in your house. Yes. You're gonna be able to watch these games not on a phone, yes. but on a big screen. Game number four. 15th ranked Kansas State, a three and a half point favorite at Missouri. Game is at noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central on SEC Network. Kansas State is number one in the nation against the run. Missouri wants to run the football. They're allowing a bunch of sacks this year with their offensive line. K-State, when you really look statistically at these two teams, Missouri's struggled. They ran it pretty well against South Dakota. Middle Tennessee stuffed them in that game. They didn't get much of a push against their defense. They're now going against the top rushing defense in college football. I think Will Howard is going to get some things done in this game. Hutton, I like Kansas State big in this one. I think three and a half is not enough points. Even though this game is at Missouri and it's a huge game for Eli Drinkwitz, I think K-State gets it done and shows that they are a contender in the Big 12. Middle had a chance to win that game late uh, a week ago. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz has yet to have a winning season at Missouri. 19 and 19 is his overall record. And keep in mind, they finished above 500 11 of the 15 seasons prior to him taking that job. It's time 
to climb the the ladder, at least by a game. And I think last week's win allows them to do so. K-State needs the needs this victory. Uh, I, I picked K-State to win the Big 12. Let's go. Let's go yeah, Wildcats. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy game because I think it's important for Eli Drinkwitz, but I think it's also an opportunity for a statement for Kansas State and this to would, show that they're going to be a player. This would be Missouri's first top 15 victory since 2018 if they beat K-State. Wow. It's been a long time. Game number three, LSU, 14th ranked, nine and a half point favorites on the road at Mississippi State. Another one of those 11 a.m. games. You yes. mentioned 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Mississippi State with Zach Garnett, a guy we talked to at SEC Media Days here in Nashville. Defensive guy. This is not the Mike Leach offensive type team for Mississippi no. State. They want to pound the rock. Mistake. They want to go heavy and they want to run the football. Defensively, they were able to generate five takeaways against Arizona last week. Had to go to overtime, but they beat Arizona in that game. The big question is, can Will Rogers open things up with a passing attack for Mississippi State? The passing game is there for Jaden Daniels and LSU. What does Mississippi State attempt to do offensively, Hutton? You're saying it's a mistake, the uh, way they're trying to run their offense They're right running now. the ball right now six oh, – excuse me. They were passing the ball a year ago, 69% of all snaps. That was the air raid Mike Leach system. This year, 34% of plays are wow. passes with Will Rogers. That's You've not You've got to get either. that. No. And, and LSU's pass defense has not been good. They are, according to PFF, the 10th worst coverage grade in the Power Five. It's time to let Will Rogers do what he does best, and that's throw the football. Do hey. it. Yeah, Do it I, and win. I'm, I'm interested in this. I, I think there could be some craziness in that game. By the way, LSU very good at stopping the run. Game number two, number eight, Washington at Michigan State. The Huskies. I love you have this high. A 16-point favorite. Hutton, this will be – I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. This will be the highest game on my list all year to appear on the Peacock streaming service. This game is on Peacock at 4 p.m., also a weird time to kick off a football game. 4 p.m. on Peacock. You can see my second biggest game of the week. Harlan Bennett taking over for Mel Tucker, suspended indefinitely at Michigan State. Is there some sort of strange factor in the game with guys rallying behind that? Don't know. Michigan State has been pretty good passing the football so far this year. The problem is they're good against Central Michigan and Richmond. Those have been their two opponents. But pass defense, which was an enormous issue a year ago for this defense, Looks like it continues to be an issue. And Hutton, they're not going to get any favors from Michael Penix Jr. No. and Washington. Washington is averaging 472 yards per game through the air alone in their first two contests. This is a passing juggernaut for Washington. And that's two decent games, Boise State and Tulsa. The two wins so Man. far for Washington, they've looked great. And the acting head coach, Barnett, is the defensive backs coach, secondary coach. And he's facing Michael Penix Jr. in that pass. Tough exactly. assignment. Uh, by the way, the quote from him was, I'm being totally honest here. I wanted to be the head coach of Michigan State, but not in this way, obviously. He did that while at Spartan Stadium in a nice suit. He showed up with his first meeting with the media in a well-tailored uh, suit. I like Props to, to Barnett for doing so. He's taking it serious. Uh, D'Antonio is the head coach of that team. Yeah, no doubt. Game number one. And he's on headset, by the way. Yes. Game game number one of the week, no surprise. Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee a six-and-a-half-point favorite. 
This game, 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. May surprise some people. You hear Tennessee, you hear Josh Heupel, you think offense, first and foremost. The Vols are number one nationally through two weeks in sacks and tackles for loss. This is a defense that will get after you. They can live in your backfield. Florida's offensive line, not good against Utah. They blow out McNeese State. Not much to take away from that. They weren't good against Utah. The Gators, though, this may surprise you also. Granted, it was against the backup quarterback. They only allowed 270 yards of offense in Salt Lake City against Utah. Their defense is good. Their secondary is good. Has UT been holding back? Have the Vols been holding something back in the vertical passing game they haven't shown yet? This is a big opportunity to to maybe make some big plays in this game. Hutton, this could be a low-scoring defensive battle in this game between Tennessee and Florida, surprisingly enough. I get the feeling it's the opposite for some reason because everyone's expecting low scoring. Yeah, expect Both low scoring, fan bases are thinking it's that It's going to be a shootout now. Let's preview this game when we come back. Plus, wrong team favored in three matchups across college football. That's next on Hot Mike. Favorite game of the weekend, Tennessee and Florida. And, I mean, we'll all be at least tuning in to the kickoff of Colorado, Colorado State. I'll be watching it because it's the late kickoff that I love. Um, others will tune in just to see the see the walkouts. I like to, uh, referring to primetime and all the hype as the fight promotion going into yeah. the, the pay-per-view each week. It really is less about the games now and just more about everything surrounding the game. Yeah, and then you... A post-game presser. It's like Dana White addressing the, the UFC media. And then by Monday, opponent and the, the to the, the victor go the spoils, I, we won't be discussing uh, anything involving Norvell unless somehow Colorado State wins. It'll be on to Oregon and uh, Colorado taking it personal. Yeah. Just like they're doing. The uh, Conor McGregor of every, college football every with his week, press conferences. Every week. Chad, um, we off to a nice start in our uh, sports wagering segment going into Are the college we? football weekend. Or at least I am. Uh, wrong team favor. Hutton is. Wrong team favor. No one else is. I'm 2-0 and to begin where we take the underdog and our team has to win. Uh, and then you get the points that they uh, are receiving in, in return. I've got 9.5 after winning uh, Texas and Alabama. I took the Longhorns last week. Also took Florida State against LSU. Gave me two and a half, but I got some uh, nice points from Texas winning by 10 and uh, doing more than just covering. That's why I'm up nine and a half because you and Davey have zero. We're 0 for so far, and I can't go 0 and 3. So we got to get to unveil some winners here because that's just embarrassing. Davey Hudson, who's uh, out today, he leads us off, and he goes with Florida taking seven. Is it at six and a half now? Uh, Roughly, it's at six, I think. I think six it's actually now. gone down to six. Whenever he, um, and I just wanted to clarify because whenever he made this pick before he left this week, um, he, Florida was plus seven. He's an example, Chad, of what I was referring to last segment of both fan bases feel like the other team is 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 being undersold a bit in this matchup. Yeah, Florida fans don't believe in what the Gators have done thus far and where they're headed. Meanwhile, Tennessee fans. Just know the history with Florida and the Swamp. And there, uh, Clay has, has written about this and, and joined us on Wednesday and said, um, until Tennessee proves this, he's never betting against Florida. 
He's all, especially in the swamp where they're receiving points, he's taking those against the Vols. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I was in college the last time Tennessee went to Florida and won, and they've had chances since. Now, there's been a number of years where Urban Meyer just had a dominant team and Tennessee was not very good. So there's yeah. nothing you do about that. You know, they're just a lot better. But twice during Butch Jones' tenure, they had Florida on the ropes in Gainesville, and they were inventing crazy ways to lose games in so, the last second. So there is something to that with, with Tennessee at Florida. Look, I, I, I like what Davies – Going with here, I understand it. I, I've watched all these games, He's too. He's Florida to win for this exercise. Yeah, I just I think for once it's not going to be because the coach has the team nervous or isn't going to take the proper you know chances in the game. I think if Tennessee goes down there and loses, it's because what I think might be the case of this Tennessee team, that it's just an enormous drop-off at quarterback, and maybe we've been underselling the change from Alex Golish to, to Joey Halsley as offensive coordinator. It's, it's always going to be Heupel's offense. Yeah. First and foremost, but maybe there is a factor there. Um, I, I don't know. It's a big opportunity for Joe Milton. Florida did not look great in that opener, losing to a backup quarterback in Utah. But defensively, they did some good things. I think it's a good opportunity for Tennessee's defense to continue to show how improved they are in this game. They can get after Graham Mertz. But and he has shown himself to make some mistakes. If you can get to him and rattle him at any point in the game, maybe Tennessee's defense can do that. Is it the biggest concern, though, if you're, if you're betting Florida to win, if you're taking the points? It's just the simple fact that you don't buy that Joe Milton is going to do anything consistent in a big moment. Yeah. And he wasn't the only issue last week, and it was a, a no-brainer that they're winning the game against Austin P. State University. The Govs. Let's go pee. Um, you've got... Other examples, too, to point to of inconsistencies. Um, but, Chad, it, this, it, it's also a quarterback who is very streaky. When he's well, on, let me, let me bring up on. this factor, too, that I haven't heard anyone really talk about. Hutton, even as old as Joe Milton is and as long as he's been around, this is his first ever true road start. Really? At Michigan, when he was a starter in 2020, it was a COVID year. <laughs> so they were playing in front of, you know, oh. 8,000 people, 10,000 people. On the road. He's never been in an environment like this. He started game one at home on a Thursday night against Bowling Balls, Green. Bowling Green. That okay. was two years ago. Okay. And then Pitt got hurt. And yeah. then when he started, well, I guess I take that back. He did start at Vanderbilt last year, but that was a home game for Tennessee with fans no, in the crowd. No, this is the you first don't have time, to take that back. Yeah, this is the first time that he is going to play in a true hostile environment as a starting quarterback. And it's in the swamp I, at night. I still buy Tennessee's offense getting streaky, getting hot. And I think the defense running backs, has improved to the point where... I think where their running backs and running game is better than a year ago. The, the defense has improved to the point where they can get off the field a couple of times. Oh, yeah. And so uh, for, that, for that reason, I don't... I mean, and I told David this, I'm not picking this game and wouldn't if it came to me on the, on the opportunity to, to select because I'm taking the Vols Minus seven or minus, especially minus six or wherever it is now, minus six and a half. See, I would take, I, I, I'm reluctant to even pick who's going to win, but I, I would take if I was betting, I'm, I'm probably not going to touch this game. I would bet Florida plus the seven or six and a half. Or whatever it is Thinking now. that Tennessee might win by one or two points, right? Like I'm not well, they, saying they're definitely going to lose, but. Uh, Tennessee did not cover a year ago. No. And that and was at home and with that offense. Up, they were up. Over two scores 
in the fourth quarter, and you just saw th- there was one of those again. Here it, co- here it comes. Yeah. It's happening again. And Anthony Richardson was great in that game. That, that's the saving grace for Tennessee if you're looking at it. There's no Anthony Richardson on that Florida offense. Anthony Richardson clearly capable of greatness with his skill set, right? I don't I tend to I don't foresee unless Graham Mertz turns into Spencer Rattler from a year ago that just flips the switch and is suddenly an NFL quarterback in this game. I don't think Florida has that guy. They got two good running backs, but Tennessee's been very good against the run. But I don't I don't was see them Richardson's having that guy quarterback. Was that second best game last year to Utah? Oh, I think it was way better than Utah. I he mean, was he, terrific in that game. He, he was, didn't throw the ball as well against Utah. He had some miraculous runs, and he had that yeah. one play, remember, the two-point conversion where he spun out of trouble and, and found someone in the end zone? Yeah. The, he was I'm consistently the, better against Tennessee. Yeah, I'm counting the loss against him there. I should Yeah. Um, but that was pretty much it. Consistently uh, better against Tennessee. Chad, you're going with – I'm you, going you with – You need a win. I need a win. Get a win. I, I'm not going big points here. I, I need a chip, chip, chip away. So I'm going with a three-point home dog. Give me Kenny Dillingham – and the Arizona State Sun Devils at home against Fresno State. Fresno State's already won one road game against a Power 5 team, uh, uh, and that was at Purdue to open the season. Okay. Really good team, good program. I think this is an important game for, for Dillingham. Wants to get some enthusiasm for that program again. I think they take care of business at home and beat Fresno State as a slight three-point underdog. Chad, I am going... You're going west, too, aren't you? I am, go west, young man. I, yes. am, I am going against Vanderbilt. Uh, last week, you took Vandy. I trying did. to get the outright win. I am taking UNLV... In mid-second quarter, Hutton, I regretted that decision watching that game at 10 a.m. UNL, UNLV uh, getting four and a half as they return home after losing to Michigan against Vanderbilt, who I don't know the depth chart very well at tight end beyond their starters, but they're down two tight ends in this game. That's their only injury concern, honestly, is the, the tight end position. Uh, but they struggled not just to score points, but to move the football. And I like UNLV returning home with an opportunity to beat an SEC team on the road. I'm taking the points after what has been a, a struggle for both. But UNLV at home is a, is a winner, wrong team favored. Vandy hits the road looking for win number two, and it's not going to happen. I like that you and I somehow were able to, you know, Davey, very obvious one, which isn't the wrong decision, but went with the game of the week, the biggest game in college football, and you and I managed to work in Fresno State and UNLV talk to this segment. That's That's what I admire. If you're looking for a reason to play these games, you can uh, certainly follow us. I think Chad's got a win or two based on his description. I'm not so certain about Davey with Florida winning over Tennessee in the Swamp. Uh, but Having watched all these games, I really like Davey's pick. <laughs> well, see, so we've watched that movie many times. Anyone that's associated with the Tennessee program, seen that film before. Yeah, I've also seen a different script with this head coach and coaching staff. I, I think from the from the head man down, there's it, it would you'd be foolish to say there's not a different personality and feeling yeah. about the team and the program and how they approach big games for sure. And last week could be. A nice wake-up call, a, a, a bit, going into the swamp. I think you, we'll you know, getting humbled it can help you. I think it's always great when you can get humbled in a win, <laughs> right? Fair. Tennessee was humbled in a they game that lucky. they weren't really challenged to lose the game. It, it, at least but, it took place against Austin P. and yeah. not this, not tomorrow. Right. If you're going to get humbled, you want to get humbled in a in a victory, and maybe that that will help Tennessee. Big game for Billy Napier. Big game because, yeah. like I said. 
what are the four games they're going to measure you on at Florida? Tennessee, LSU, Florida State, Georgia. 0-4 in year one. And this may be his best chance. If you look at what point spreads will be with some of these road games, maybe his best chance at home against Tennessee tomorrow. Point to win one in two years. Got some great chances to take take advantage of the incredible offer. Sorry, my headphones fell apart there. Uh, If you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now's the perfect moment. And here's the big reason why. Exclusively for first-time points bet users, you can grab this unique offer. Right now, new points bet users can get up to $1,000 in second chance bets. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, points bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com slash bet. Complete the registration process with points bet and make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, that's when the second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 20 or older in uh, legal gambling states. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com slash bet now to snag this offer. It's going to be a big weekend. Chad needs a second chance. I need a second chance. I need my first win in wrong team favored. I, I need good things to happen this weekend. NFL moneymaker lock on Sunday. I am going with Seattle and Detroit hitting the over. The over is large, 47 and a half compared to what we might see across the NFL and what we did see playing the unders uh, a week ago in week one. NFL offenses struggled. This one should not be the case. With Seattle's offense, where I think Geno Smith picks up the pace, they're a four and a half point underdog. And we saw what Detroit is capable of. And the idea that Jameer Gibbs is going to get the football some more, uh, even Dan Campbell has said, that's the expectation. I'm going with the over as my lock, the moneymaker lock across the National Football League. I'm going to go another wrong team favorite this weekend. Okay. Tennessee Titans have more pride than the Chargers. Wow. wow. They're not going 0-2 at home. They're not? That is a prideful bunch. DeAndre Hopkins is questionable. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins questionable. Also questionable, Austin Eckler, uh, who most think that he's probably going to sit up and play. Doubtful. Yeah. So I think that's a factor. Um, I like Mike Vrabel rallying the troops better than I like Brandon Staley rallying the troops for the Chargers. I think the Titans... Wrong team favorite. I think they went outright as a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. I think it's going to be an ugly game at times, but the Titans, they're comfortable in ugly games. I, I think they went at home. points is exactly where they want it in the fourth. Yeah. I think they went at home. Field goals. Chargers going That's to home, too. That's all we saw from Nick Folk. But as I've said before, and I'll say it again. Chargers go no two, and they face the Vikings next week. Here's what everyone will find 0-2. out when you tune back in on Monday. I'm much better at reacting to games than picking games. Just always keep that in mind, especially given my recent record. Hey, points bets got you. We've got you on the moneymaker locks and wrong team favored. And we're going to have a great football weekend. I I can't wait for the slate. It's not a stacked card, so to speak, from top to bottom. But Chad's top 10 revealed we've got a good top five of games. Hey, there's plenty there for you to feast on. Look, it's not not the smorgasbord we had last week. There'll be some surprises. But it's a strong Golden Corral-like buffet line. You've got all weekend of football games. So enjoy it, everyone. All you can eat. Yes. Even with the the chocolate fountain at the end. (laughs) The the double header on Monday Night Football is our chocolate fountain at the end of the Golden Corral buffet line. Back at it on Monday for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Outkick Network.